Amen. Please turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. If you're using the black Bibles that are provided there, that can be found on page 817. Matthew 12, 33. Last week, Jesus healed, a, we saw from Matthew 12, how Jesus healed a blind and mute man by casting a demon out of him. And the crowd that witnessed this miracle was amazed, and they began wondering and talking amongst themselves, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the long-awaited and promised king who is going to come and rescue his people and rule forever? And as the crowd is, is questioning this, and the Pharisees were there and in a, an attempt to keep the crowd from believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Pharisees made this charge. They charged that Jesus was casting out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus swiftly and decisively refuted their bogus assertion and instead declared that he cast out demons by the Spirit of God. Which means that he is the Spirit-anointed Messiah who is, who is bringing in the long-awaited kingdom of God. And so then Jesus went on to decisively, you know, through the, through the gospel that we'll be studying together, Jesus goes on to decisively defeat Satan, right? The casting out demons, that was an attack on Satan's domain. But then Jesus went all the way to the cross and gave Satan the, the fatal blow at the cross in the empty tomb. And now then through the gospel, Jesus is delivering people from the domain of darkness and he's transferring them into his eternal kingdom. He is continuing to plunder Satan's house. He's continuing to set the captives free. And then if you remember, our passage last week ended with Jesus declaring that because he is the risen, exalted king of the universe, he said that means, well, what he was saying is that demands a response. Right? This is the reality. Jesus is saying, I am the king. And so the reality then is, you're either for me or against me, he said. You're either with him, you're either for him through faith, embracing him through faith as Savior and Lord, or he said, you're against me. You're continuing to rebel against me. You're continuing to, to walk your own way. You're not submitting to who I am and my rule and the fact that I've come. That's how our text ended, was this really kind of sober warning that there's no neutral ground. And now today, we're continuing to deal with the aftermath of this event here in verses 33 through 37. That's the text we want to consider today. So would you stand, please, in honor of God's word? And I'll read our passage today, Matthew 12, 33 through 37. Jesus says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, 
people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Amen. Thanks be to God for his word. Please be seated. It's a solemn passage, isn't it? And today I want us to think about examining. Examining, looking intently at something and carefully considering what you see, right? Isn't that what you do when you examine? As a matter of fact, I, I would reckon that all of you did some ex- examining this morning before you came here, right? I bet all of us examined ourselves in the mirror today, <laughs> Considering, you know, is everything in place, right? Or how many gray hairs are there today, right? Or pimples or whatever, right? Examining. We examine lots of things before we go on a road trip. I know many of you have been on road trips this summer, right? We, it's a good idea to examine your car. Are the, are the tires the way they need to be, right? Or are they balding and ready to bust? Uh, are the fluids okay? Are there cracks in the belt? I've just shared with you the extent of my car knowledge there. How was that? Gary, are you impressed? Yeah, pretty good? All right. We examine lots of things. Some of you examine your investments. You chart their performance. How much interest are they earning? Do I need to reallocate? You get the idea. We are a people who examine things. But often, we fail to examine the most important thing. We're busy examining all sorts of manner of things, but we fail to examine our own hearts. And that's what I'm calling us to do today. That's the title of the message, Examine Your Heart, because Jesus is going to talk about the heart today. Now, when I say your heart, I don't mean the the physical muscle that pumps your blood. I'm talking about your, your inner man, as the Bible says, your inner person, the Bible explains that the heart consists of your, your mind, your affections, your will. Your heart involves your thoughts, your longings, your actions. Your heart, some uh, teachers will describe it as your heart is your command center, right? It's your control center. It, uh, it, it's what determines what you do, how you live. Another way of thinking about it is our heart is who we truly are. Right? So when the Bible talks about your heart or your mind or your person, your heart is who you truly are. Right? I mean, we can be fake, we can put on a show for others, but the condition of our heart, which the Lord sees, is who we truly are. That's why the Bible calls us to examine our hearts. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. I don't believe uses the word heart, but it does say examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Now, I said earlier we, we often neglect examining our hearts, right? I, I think we don't like to examine our hearts. I know I often don't, right? We, we may not like what we see there, so we don't want to think about it. We don't, we'd, we'd almost just rather not know, Right? But it is vital, it is essential that we examine our hearts. We, it's, it's important for us to see that, that, 
that, that the sin that still remains there or the deadness of heart that may be true. It's vital that that be exposed so that the transforming power of the gospel can be applied to the heart. Okay? So it's vital that we examine our heart, that sin be exposed so that we can bring in the gospel of grace. So that's where we're headed today. The condition of your heart is of grave importance because as our text reminds us, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But you may be wondering, well, how do I examine my heart? You kind of convinced me I need to do that. But how? What does that look like? I can't see my heart, so how do I know its condition? Well, again, the text helps us with that, doesn't it? And that leads us really to the first, if you're taking notes, I have four points there. That leads us to the first one of those. I call the first two 1A and 1B because they're really two sides of the same coin. But here's 1A. (laughs) Your deeds and words reveal the condition of your heart. You say, well, how do I know what the condition of my heart is? Well, Jesus would say, Look at your deeds, look at your words, because they are revealing the condition of your heart. Look at verse 33. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees here, and he says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now this verse is a little tricky, uh, because it really kind of sounds like it's a command or something, doesn't it? Like Jesus is saying, I want you to make the tree good, or I want you to make the tree bad, but... It's actually not a command. This is a figure of speech. Um, Sometimes figures of speech have commands in them. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but they do. For example, suppose that you're um, talking about parenting your three-year-old son with your friend, and she says to you, well, you know, give him an inch and he'll take a mile, right? Right? Now, is she commanding you to give him an inch? <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, she's basically saying the opposite, right? She's just stating, uh, making an observation or stating a principle, whatever you want to call it. And that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's making a straightforward observation. He's saying, if the tree is good, the fruit will be good. Right? If the tree is healthy, then it's going to produce good fruit. But if the tree is bad, if if it's diseased and corrupt, it's going to produce bad fruit. That's what he's saying here. And look at that word bad when it says make the tree bad and its fruit bad. That word, it really means more than just bad. It, It actually means decaying, useless, unfit. So if we're thinking about fruit, and the idea could be rotten. That would be an appropriate translation there. The same word is used in Ephesians 4.29 when it says, let no unwholesome talk proceed from your mouth, or let no corrupting talk. That word unwholesome, corrupting, that's the same word, right? Corrupting, decaying, uh, talk that tears down, that, that, that rotten, uh, makes things rotten, right? That's what he's saying here, Jesus 
He's saying if the tree is rotten and decayed, then all the fruit that comes from it will be unfit. It'll be useless. It'll be rotten. Now, I I trust you get the picture here, right? But when he's talking about a tree and its fruit, the, the application to us is our fruit it's, it's how we live, right? It's our deeds, it's our, our words, it's our actions. It's what comes from our heart. It's what comes from our character, our nature. That's our fruit. And again, Jesus restates this truth at the end of verse 33. The tree is known by its fruit, right? That makes sense. The fruit reveals what type of tree it is. All right, so if you go into Joe Jimenez's, Backyard, right? And assuming there's, it's the time of year when there's fruit on it, you can kind of figure out what kind of trees there are, right? If there's oranges hanging from it, it's an orange tree. If, if there's peaches hanging from it, it's a peach tree, right? The fruit reveals the nature of the tree. Likewise, Jesus' point is a person's deeds The person's words reveal what type of person they are. Their words, their deeds reveal the condition of their heart. Just to get very explicit, right? A person's life reveals if he or she is a Christian or not. Remember what Jesus said in the upper room to his disciples in chapter 13, verse 35. He says, they will know you are my disciples if you love one another. See, he's saying the same thing, right? If you have love for one another, that's going to reveal something about your heart. It's going to reveal that I've saved you, that I've called you, that you are mine, you are my disciples. The book of 1 John identifies three marks of a Christian. Confessing Jesus as Lord, not making a practice of sinning, and loving the brethren. Saying those are all marks that indicate that reveal that you are a Christian. So we need to, I'm calling us to today, take a moment, examine yourself. Please, examine yourself. Do you worship Jesus as Savior and Lord? In other words, do you believe? But I'm I'm asking even how is that manifested? Do you worship Jesus as Savior and Lord? Do you love Jesus and desire to live for Him? Obviously, we're going to not do that anywhere close to perfect, right? But do you have a love for Jesus? Do you want to live for Him? Are you grieved when you do sin? Do you humbly repent of sin? Do you love others, especially fellow believers? Do you see any signs of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Again, we wish we could see it in, in better, right? But do you see any signs of that? Any signs that the Spirit lives in you? It's important to examine ourselves, and I want to make something clear as, I, as I'm, I'm saying this. Our actions don't make us Christians, okay? So I'm not telling you to go be good so you can be a Christian. Our actions don't make us Christians. But what Jesus is saying, our actions indicate if we are a Christian or not. Our actions reveal the condition of our heart. And so as I was asking those questions, if if you would honestly have to say no to any of those questions, then that is a huge red flag. But I'm, I mean, I'm glad you're being honest, but I'm just saying you need to carefully consider if you're a Christian. So here in Matthew 12, the, what Jesus, I think the reason he's saying this now is he's really calling the Pharisees out and he's saying to the Pharisees, your actions in opposing me show that, you're, that you are wicked. It's showing that you are lost in your sins. So the Pharisees' rotten words, their rotten deeds are coming from a rotten character. And probably another little nuance to that is not only is their character rotten, but think about fruit. What's true about rotten fruit? You put one, one bad apple, spoils the whole bunch, doesn't it? And so I think that's what Jesus is, is calling them out on is, you guys are trying to influence the crowd not to believe in me. They're seeing and, and they're starting to piece things together and saying, wow, that, you know, he's doing the things that the promised Messiah was supposed to be doing. And yet your, your rotten character is opposed to me and you're trying to influence them and decay them to hinder them from coming to me in faith. And so that's why Jesus sharply rebukes them in verse 34. You brood of vipers. The same rebuke that John the Baptist gave in, in back in chapter 3, right? Strong, strong rebuke. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Jesus tells the Pharisees, the reason you don't believe that I'm the Messiah, the reason you're saying wicked things about me like he casts out demons by the prince of demons is because you are evil. Your hearts are evil. You can't say anything good because your heart is evil. Your wicked, unbelieving accusations are flowing right out of a wicked, dead heart. And so he says, you brood of vipers. You are evil. Your actions are showing the nature of your hearts. And really, Jesus is turning the tables on them because... Remember, they were accusing him of casting out demons by the prince of demons. They're saying, you're, doing, you're working for Satan. You're under the influence of Satan. And he's turning it right back on them and saying, I'm doing good, but you guys are speaking evil. You guys are the ones doing rotten, evil things. So it's you, Pharisees, who are being influenced by Satan. 
Your words show that you have evil hearts just like the devil. Remember, Jesus said a similar thing to it when, in John chapter 8 with it, when he had another confrontation with the Pharisees where he said, you are of your father, the devil, because he's been a liar from the beginning. You guys are lying, you're murdering just like him. And then Jesus here in Matthew 12 says, For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Again, your mouth says what is in your heart. That which fills, see it says out of the abundance of the heart, that which fills your heart, that which controls your heart or your life is going to eventually flow out of your mouth. So the Pharisees' words are, again, really condemning themselves, right? They're condemning themselves. They're showing their hearts. But let's apply it to us. When What we do, and, and Jesus is honing in even specifically on our speech, what we say reveals something about our hearts. So when you snap at your kids... Or you say something hurtful to your wife. It's, it's revealing something about your heart in that moment. Right? Yes, it's sin to say hurtful things. It's sin to lose our temper. And we, would, we need to confess and repent of that sin. But what I'm challenging you to do is learn to dig deeper than that when this happens. Right? Not only just say, well, you know, I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? Do that, but then spend some time and say, why did I say what I said? Why did I react that way? What was going on in my heart that led me to saying that? And it's not just I was tired or I was stressed. Yes, those were physical people and those things maybe exasperate the situation. But it's still showing something about what's going on in our hearts. Okay? What was I wanting in that moment that I wasn't getting? And so I responded in anger. What was I afraid would happen? Right? Sometimes we're, we're con- getting consumed about with fear or worry. or And so we... Ugh. What was I believing? These are all important questions, questions like this. Asking and answering those questions helps us discover what root sins, what idols of the heart are still present in the life of a believer and that need to be put to death by God's grace. Okay? So our speech and our behavior as a whole testifies to our spiritual health. Just to kind of summarize this point here, if the pattern of a person's speech is worldly and godless, then his heart is evil. So in other words, a person can make a profession of faith, but if the pattern of their speech, right, I mean the pattern of their life is evil, then that says something about their heart. Again, it calls into question their if they're a believer or not. And so again, start 
examining, not just now, but um, throughout the week. What do I talk about? Again, I'm not, even if many of you, I know, know by God's grace you are a Christian. But it not only shows if you are a Christian or not, but it shows the, the health of your heart. How healthy am I right now, spiritually speaking? So listen to your speech. What do you talk about? Does the pattern of your speech reveal anxiety? <laughs> Does it reveal just an ongoing um, uh, grouchiness or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, irritation. Uh, does, it, does it the pattern of your speech just reveal a love for this world? Jesus is going to tell us here in just a minute. We talk about what we value. We talk about what we treasure. And so, again, do you ever talk about Jesus? Do you ever talk about the kingdom of God? Are you seeking the kingdom of God? Are you storing up treasures in heaven? Or are you storing up treasures on earth? Does the word of God ever come out of your mouth? Does praise for God, does love for Christ ever spontaneously spring forth from your heart and out your mouth? These are indicators of our health and even of the condition of our heart. Next point in our outline, again, very similar truth here. What you treasure will come out, right? That's what I was already alluding to. What you treasure will come out. Look at verse 35. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good, Jesus says. The evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. He's saying basically the same thing. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can almost substitute the word heart here for treasure. The good person out of his good heart brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil heart brings forth evil. So he's, he's basically saying the same thing he did with the tree and the fruit. But I do think there's an interesting insight here and nuance with the word treasure in verse 35. Treasure is what controls the heart. Think about that word treasure. What we treasure what we value, remember what the heart is? It's our affections, it's our thoughts, it's our longings and our desires, our choices. What we treasure is what we set our heart upon. And so what we treasure is what fills up our hearts. And then that's going to then show itself in our words and deeds. So if you, let's say you really, really, really treasure and value marvel movies right i mean that is your thing you know i mean you're always talking about them you're thinking about them you're longing to watch them some more you can't wait for the next one to come out you are you're filling your heart up with marvel movies okay fine guess what you're going to talk about what's going to flow out of your of your heart you're going to talk about that that's what you're treasuring right If you treasure the things of this world, it's going to be evident in what you talk about and what you think about and what you pursue. No wonder then God exhorts us in, in Colossians 3. Remember how that chapter begins? If you then have been raised with Christ, or basically saying to the believers, since you have been raised with Christ, set your minds on things that are above, Colossians 3, 2 says. Minds, hearts, set your hearts on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. 
What you treasure is what you set your mind on, and what you treasure is what will come out of your life then. So again, a person can give lip service to saying they love Jesus, but sooner or later, their real, the real treasure of their heart is going to come out. It's going to be made known. And this is what faith is. John Piper talks about this all the time, doesn't he? Faith is treasuring Christ above all. So examine yourself, please. What do my words and my actions reveal that I treasure? Not saying you can't ever have another interest. Can't, not that you can't ever have a hobby. But what do your words and actions reveal that you supremely treasure? Is it honoring Christ? Is it Jesus himself? Or is it my own comfort? Is it the things of this world? Do I treasure and value the kingdom of God? Or the things of this world that's passing away? Is one of my supreme values the glory of God? God, I want to live for your glory. Or am I focused on my own glory? (laughs) How I look. How I'm perceived. My social media platform or whatever, profile. More questions. This is just one of those sermons, guys, where I'm just going to ask a lot of questions. That's why it's called Examine Your Heart. Do my morning habits show that I treasure time with God? Does my commitment to Abounding Grace Church show that I treasure the body of Christ? Do my pursuits show that I want to know Christ and make Him known? These are all questions that will help us examine our hearts. Let's move on to point number two then. In verse 36, Jesus tells us that you will give an account for your actions. You will give an account for your actions. Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment. That's interesting, isn't it? The day of judgment. There's coming a day of judgment, right? On the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Did you know it matters how you live? How you live matters. Paul speaks of this, of the day of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all He includes himself, doesn't he? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So like what Jesus is saying, right? What what you speak, what what you pursue, your deeds, your words. 
we will be judged by those. Why? Well, again, because they're revealing the condition of our heart. So I mentioned at the, at the outset that Jesus is king. He has come. He has defeated sin and death. He is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He said before he ascended into heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And Paul says in Acts 17 that uh, God has given him, given Jesus authority to judge all mankind and has proved it by raising him from the dead. So he is king, he is judge, we will all stand before him. Every single person will stand before him. And on that great day of judgment, there'll be a dividing between the sheep and the goats. The sheep are those who embraced Jesus by faith, who, who followed him as Lord. The goats are those who didn't, right? Who continued to live in rebellion to Christ. And remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7? Well, some of you will say, but Lord, Lord, Lord. No, he's going to say, what did the pattern of your life, what did it reveal about your heart? Because if you are one of my sheep, it will have been evident in, in your life. And if you weren't, it's going to have been evident in your life. And God's the perfect judge. He, he knows, he's the one person who knows our hearts, right? And so his, judge, his judgment will be, will be right, it will be fair, it will be thorough. Now, again, the Bible says in the Psalms, Lord, if you would count iniquities, who can stand, right? Who, how could any of us withstand that day of judgment, right? Because we're all sinners who fall short. But the, the good news of the gospel is those who by faith have embraced Jesus as Savior and Lord, when we stand before God, we're clothed in the, the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so God has declared us righteous already. Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So for us, the day of judgment is not one of, of fearing, are we going to ex- experience God's wrath? No, we know Christ has absorbed and satisfied God's wrath in our place. But Paul does say we all must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For us, for believers, it's not a a, a judgment where we're going to receive punishment. Rather, it's a judgment to determine our rewards. Uh, We'll all have the, the ultimate reward of spending eternity with, with God in, in, his, in the new heavens and new earth. But it'll determine the amount of rewards we can throw at his feet. Right? And so how we live matters. How we live matters. And if today, whether just through the preaching of the word, through some of these questions, the Spirit has been showing you, you know, my actions are not showing that I'm a Christian. <laughs> right? My actions are really showing that I'm still in my sin. 
that I'm still just living for myself, that I don't really love Jesus, then I would urge you to call out to him, to run to God in faith. And that, that's my, my next point. Only the gospel can change the heart. As you examine your life and, as, and if it's revealing that your heart is not good, the answer is not, well, I, I just need to just, just kind of pull up my bootstraps or whatever, that was my belt, but my bootstraps, right? And I just need to try to start doing good things. No, this is not about behavior modification. That's not the point of this sermon. This is about heart change. Simply taping some good fruit to a rotten tree will not change the health of the tree. The tree needs help at the root level. Likewise, if we're seeing that our hearts are bad, then it's our hearts that need to be fixed, right? Then, once God, by his grace, fixes our hearts, then the right actions will flow. The Bible says in Jeremiah 13, 23, can the leopard change his spots? <laughs> and the answer is no, right? And the, the point of that is only God can change the heart, right? We can't change our hearts, but God can and God does through the gospel. He does it through the transforming power of Jesus Christ. So again, if God is showing you today that your heart is bad, then cry out to God. Admit Admit that your heart is rotten. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to give you a new heart on account of Christ. This is why Jesus came. Jesus lived and died and rose again to purchase salvation, to purchase new life, new hearts for all who call upon him in faith. And so then through faith in Christ as your Savior and Lord, God will forgive your sin. God will give you a brand new heart, a heart that loves him, a heart that wants to live for him, a heart that wants to know Christ and obey him. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. He'll give you power to start living the right way. Still, still failing, but, but growing in dependence on God. Maybe today your self-examination has revealed that, yes, there is spiritual life there by God's grace. I do love God. I do believe in Jesus. I do want to live for him. But as I'm examining, I have to admit, um, man, my fruit is, is, is pretty sparse. Right? You know, there, by God's grace, there is some spiritual fruit there. There is some life there, but it's not, it's not plentiful. It's not healthy. Then again, the answer is the gospel. Right? The answer is the gospel. Maybe, maybe God is showing you areas of sin that need to be put to death. Praise God, he's given you a new heart, but there are parts of your heart that are not healthy. And so the solution is the gospel. God can change the heart. God sanctifies the heart, and he does it through the gospel. So confess your sin, consider your sin. Again, examine where, what are the idols in my heart, and then repent of that. Turn from that, forsake that, say, I don't want to live for that idol anymore. I realize how prideful I'm being. I realize how selfish I'm being. I realize I'm still deceived and living for the things of this world. 
I don't want to do that. By God's grace, I want to forsake that. I'm going to turn from that. Oh, God, please forgive me. God, remind me of the gospel. That's what Colossians 3 was saying. If then you've been raised with Christ, remind me who I am in Christ. Remind me that I've, I've died to the things of this world. Remind me that I'm even now, positionally, I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That I'm one of his children. That I have an inheritance coming that will never spoil remind me of the gospel. I've got to preach the gospel to myself every day. And it's through that that we will, by God's grace, grow. That we'll grow. And then the last thing I would exhort you to do, believer, is guard your heart. We heard that in our scripture reading today in Proverbs 4. 23, keep your heart, or some translations say guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. You see how that's saying the same thing Jesus is saying? Your heart is like, is the fountainhead of your life. Everything you do flows from your heart. Your, your words, your behavior, your pursuits, it flows from your heart. So we need to, by God's grace, guard our heart. Keep it from getting polluted. Keep it from getting stagnant. Keep it from getting dry. How? Again, through the gospel, through the means of grace. Bring in the word of God daily. Remind yourself the the promises of God, the word of God. Don't allow the sewage of the world to flow in and fill up your heart and contaminate it. That's the idea of guarding. Filter out that stuff. Don't pump, pump it into your, your eyes and your ears, the things you watch, the things you listen to. Don't do that. Guard your heart. For from it flow the springs of life. May God powerfully work in us through his word and by his grace that we may increasingly bear fruit for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your word, and it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it pierces and divides even bone and marrow, even down to the depths of our heart. And I pray that your word might do that today, not because I like people feeling uncomfortable, but because, Lord, we need it. Lord, we need to, to see the condition of our heart. Lord, if there's sin there, if there's deadness there, Lord, we we need that exposed. And so I pray you'd be doing that today, and I pray that you will grant grace to each one to to apply the gospel to to their, their life, to their heart. Oh, Father, draw people to yourself in faith. Show them who Jesus is. Show them that he is the most beautiful person, the most worthy person to be treasured and believed and followed and clung to. God, we thank you for your grace. Remind us of the reality of that we will give an account for our lives. 
Help us to live for your glory. So do a mighty work in us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.